members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that are gathered here today, those that are with us on the radio or on YouTube, scattered throughout the country, and especially to you, Dale and Ginger, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning. Cassie's confirmation verse, Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is life. Death. Life. Death. Life. It seems backwards. It seems contrary to everything we know about how life works. We live and then we die. We find ourselves in life and death situations. What is God trying to do? Pull the big switcheroo to make us feel good during difficult times? The world looks at what we're doing here today and they either mock us or they have pity on us. Wasn't that long ago, comedian George Carlin, funny man, now gone, funny man who could make funny out of anything, comparing baseball to football talking about when you get something stuck in your teeth. He could make you laugh about any subject. He hosted Saturday Night Live. Everybody waited. They wanted to know what clever comedy routine George Carlin would have. And he decided to make fun of, are you ready? God! He began his monologue. I don't know how God got such a good reputation. Everything he makes dies. And the people laughed. But it was a very nervous laughter. My friends, today here we are in God's house. We hurt. We are mourning the loss of a loved one, a daughter, a granddaughter, a friend, someone who, humanly speaking, died too soon. It hurts. We have a lot of questions and not many answers. So which is it? Life and death? Or death? and life. My friends, 
God's word is clear. God's word is clear for you and for all of us today. Our God is not a God of death. You hear that? Our God is not a God of death. He's a God of life. The one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God of life. When he created this world, and he really did it, when he created this world and everything in it, he did it by the power of his word. He spoke, and things that did not exist came into existence. Let there be a fish. Let there be a rock. Let there be a horse. Let there be a guinea pig. Let there be a mountain. God spoke the word. And by the power of the word, things that did not exist came into being. But when it came time for the crown jewel of God's creation, people, he did something a little different. He took some of the dirt that he had already created. He shaped the dirt into the shape of a human being. And then he breathed into the dirt the breath of life. Dirt came alive. The first man, Adam, whose name literally means man from the soil. From Adam, God took a chunk. We usually translate it rib, but it's literally a chunk. And he created Eve. And he gave them to each other in marriage. And he blessed them. And he placed them in the garden. He looked back at all of creation. And he said, it's not just good. It is very good. It is perfect. It is holy. God's desire was for all of creation, including Adam and Eve, to live forever. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, they'd still be alive. But sadly, Adam and Eve, like we so often do, thought they had better words than the Word of God. They heard God's word. They just didn't believe it. They weren't content being the crown jewel of God's creation. They wanted to be God. And so they brought sin. And all the consequences of sin, including death, crashing down on themselves. But it wasn't just on themselves. Their sin affected and contaminated the whole world and everybody that would be born after them. Now there would be pain in childbirth. We would work the soil by the sweat of our brow. There'd be conflict and division among peoples and even in households. 
and the biggest consequence of all, dust you are, to dust you shall return. My friends, if that was the end of the story, we would be so miserable today. Let's just get to the mac and cheese and skip everything else. But my friends, that is not the end of the story. Because immediately after Adam and Eve brought sin and all the consequences of sin upon themselves and the entire world, God spoke a word. A powerful word. A creating word. He said, one day, when the time is right, I will send my son. I will send a savior, born of the woman, born under the law, to redeem the entire world. Adam and Eve heard that word. They believed that word. And even in the midst of their heartache and their sorrow and their sin, they clung to that word, that word of hope, that word of life, that word of salvation. They passed that word, that salvation word, onto their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Generation after generation hung on that word, on that promise. The pages of the Old Testament are filled with account after account of real people and real sin and real heartache and a real God who is really present with His people, loving, forgiving, embracing, saving. My friends, when the time was right, God does as He always does. He kept His Word. That's what God does. He keeps His Word. When the time was right, God sent His Son, the eternal Logos, the eternal Word, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh. Jesus took up residence inside the womb of Mary. Jesus, born under the law to redeem us who are under the law. Jesus didn't sin, not once, not ever. Our text says the wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't die because He sinned. Jesus died because we sinned. Every sin from every person throughout all time was put on and in Jesus as He went to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying the death we deserve. It is finished! Jesus cries from the cross. It is accomplished. It is completed. What's the it? Your salvation. And to prove that Jesus' word is true, the stone-cold body of Jesus was placed in a tomb, and three days later, God raised him from the dead, victorious over our greatest enemy, death itself. 
My friends, that's the good news that we celebrate today. That's the good news that turns our tears of sorrow into tears of joy. That's the good news that gives us hope and comfort and peace and even joy, even when our hearts are breaking. I'll always remember the first time I met Cassie. It's right over here at the baptismal rail. Young couple, young family, visiting church. Didn't know him from Adam. They're at the communion rail. I don't remember if it was Dale or Ginger that was holding Cassie, but there she was at the communion rail. I did, like I do with all the kids. I made the sign of the cross on her forehead and I looked her square in the eye. And I said, the Lord bless you and keep you in your baptismal promise now and forever. Jesus loves you. Her eyes followed me the rest of the service. Her smile when she heard somebody look her in the eye and tell her that Jesus loved her was a smile that would melt anybody's heart. She not only heard it, she got it. She not only heard it, she believed it. That kind of was the beginning of a... Um, marvelous adventure that we had with Cassie here at Good Shepherd. Oh, Sunday school class, Christmas programs, but things really, really got interesting when we started confirmation class. Many of you know, Cassie liked to talk. And sometimes it was hard to get a word in edgewise when you were teaching class because Cassie not only liked to talk, she had lots of questions. Lots of questions. I'm not talking about the kind of questions kids have when they're stalling and trying to get the class over with. Like, uh, uh, can God make a rock so big he can't move it? Or, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? No, not, none of that silly stuff. These questions were real. These questions were serious. Many of them were seminary level questions. She heard the word of God. She thought about the word of God. She wanted to know what God's word was for her. It was a joy. Now, I'll admit, sometimes when Cassie would raise her hand in confirmation class, the other kids would roll their eyes, wondering what was coming next. But it was always beneficial. 
not only for Cassie, but for all of us. We had a confirmation retreat, Council Bluffs, Iowa. It was modeled after the, the uh, high school age, higher things retreats, but it was for younger kids, for junior high kids. So Pastor Burnt and I and Vicar Siebert took several carloads of kids over to Council Bluffs to the campus of Iowa School for the Deaf and we had our two and a half day confirmation retreat. Higher Things conferences are built around worship and Bible study and fun. Those three things. When it's time for worship, you're serious about your worship. When it's time for study, you're serious about your study. When it's time for fun, you're serious about your fun. This workshop, this retreat, was all about baptism. Two and a half days about baptism. Several pastors, including myself, took turns teaching God's Word and Luther's small catechism. Cassie was in the front row. Like a sponge sucking up everything that we had to say and teach. When we got to the first worship service, and there were two on Tuesday, three on Wednesday, and two before we left on Thursday, when we got to the first worship service, we were introduced to the theme hymn for the conference. We'll sing it at the end of the service, 594. God's own child, I gladly say it. Cassie was sitting right next to me as we were singing this hymn. I had never heard it before. The hymnal was fairly new. It's a new hymn in the hymnal. I knew it was in there. Didn't know anything about it. About halfway through the hymn, Cassie elbowed me. How come we don't sing this at Good Shepherd? First time I've ever heard it. We need to sing this at Good Shepherd. Okay, Cassie. Every time we got together for worship and sang this hymn, you can imagine what Cassie said. When are we going to sing this hymn, Pastor? This is a really good hymn, Pastor. Pastor, this is the perfect hymn. We need to sing this. Pastor, can we sing it on Sunday? Pastor, can you call back and change the bulletin so that we can sing it on Sunday? Yes, Cassie, we'll sing it on Sunday. It's a great hymn. When it came time for the fun, Pastor Burnt had one group out on the gym playing basketball. The vicar had another group outside kicking the soccer ball. Cassie sat off by herself reading a book. Probably a book about horses. So I went over to Cassie and I said, Cassie, what are you doing? He goes, I'm not really into that other stuff. I'll just read. 
And I said, no, you're not going to get away with that. So what do you want to do? Well, we could go for a walk. At every fun time for the entire conference, Cassie and I went for a walk. We walked every inch of the ground at the Iowa School for the Deaf. And Cassie, the entire way, every time, question upon question upon question. Questions about what we were talking about. Questions about God's own child, I gladly say it. Questions about life. Even questions about death. See, you can't talk about baptism without talking about death. What happens in the waters of holy baptism, as we heard earlier in our service from Romans chapter 6, what happens is that we die. We die in the waters of holy baptism. And then God makes us alive. He does this as he delivers Good Friday and Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus, as he delivers death and life to us at the baptismal font. The Holy Spirit creates faith in us, and we move from a life of death to true life, new life in Christ Jesus. Listen to verse 4 of hymn 594. Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes, Faith's assurance brightly flashes. Baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mine. I don't know if I sang those words louder or if Cassie did, but I guarantee you we sang them as loud as we could. It was a couple years later, it was time for Cassie to be confirmed. And I let the kids pick their verse that they can write their essay on, and then that becomes their confirmation verse. I've been doing it for 40 years. I was sure Cassie would pick a verse about baptism. When you have a last name like Borneman, you get to go pretty much first when things are done alphabetically. Cassie, what verse do you want? Romans 6.23. I said, are you sure? 
Yeah, I'm sure. You want to think about that? No, I'm sure. You want to go talk to mom and dad about it first? No, I'm sure. Now, it's one of the most beautiful law gospel passages in all of Scripture. After class, I pulled her off to the side and I said, Cassie, do you really want Romans 6.23 for your confirmation verse? She said, yes, I want it. I said, why? She said, Pastor, I could have picked something about baptism. That's earlier in the chapter. But this verse says everything. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. You've been with me at the hospital. You've been at my house. I've been through a lot. Imagine eight, eighth grade girl telling the pastor, the old pastor, I've been through a lot in my life. She had been. I've been through a lot, pastor. I'm not afraid to die. Everything I have is a gift. I want Romans 6.23. My friends, I share these things with you today, not to extol Cassie. Cassie wouldn't want that. But to give you an example of faith. Faith that clings to the word of God in season and out of season. Cassie wasn't perfect. She knew that. She knew she was a sinner and that she deserved death, eternal separation from God. But God had loved her in Jesus Christ. Her mom and dad had loved her and brought her to the baptismal font and to God's house. She heard those words. She believed those words. She lived those words. About four weeks ago, maybe six, my wife and I were in Mesa visiting the Bornemans. Amazing family. Certainly the gift of hospitality. And we did there what they do. We went to church. Just part of their being. On Sunday morning, we're in Bible study before church. I just sat back. Oh, if I would say that I wasn't a proud pastor, I'd be lying. 
every question that the pastor had, Cassie had her hand up. Everyone. She not only knew the answers, she knew them. I sat by Cassie in church. And I'll be honest with you, I did not think she was paying any attention to the sermon. The wonderful sermon, law and gospel, bloody Jesus on the cross, victorious Jesus out of the tomb, Jesus, forgiveness, life for you. Marvelous Advent sermon. After church, we're walking out, Cassie came over and says, Pastor, I got a couple of questions. Okay. She had questions about several of the detailed things that the pastor had said in the sermon. I didn't even think she was paying attention. Questions about the mystery of Advent. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Jesus comes today wherever his word is proclaimed in its truth and purity and the word of and the sacraments are administered according to the word of God. Jesus promises to come again on the last day or when we die, whichever comes first. She said, Pastor, why is it that we always tend to emphasize one, he came, he's here, he's coming, and not all three. I said, Cassie, you got it. You got it. I had no idea that was going to be the last conversation I would have with her. But it was fitting that that conversation revolved around the deep truths of God and the fact that Jesus, in the flesh, crucified and risen, was for her. My friends, Jesus in the flesh, crucified and risen, is for you. His word, his word of promise, his word of comfort, his word of peace, his word of hope, will drive away your fears and fill you with a confidence that only God's word can create and bring. That word will sustain you until you see Jesus. And along with Jesus, Cassie, and all who have died in the faith. Until that day, we simply pray, come Lord Jesus, Come quickly. Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our tears, and our sorrow in Christ Jesus our Lord, crucified and risen, not for death, but for life. Amen. Please stand for the prayers of the church. <clears throat>